0: Happy Wednesday, everyone, and if you're not listening on a Wednesday, I hope whatever day it is that you listen to this, you are having a good day, but regardless of the day, you are now listening to a brand new episode of the best of the best, Maverick's Guide to Success. As always, I am your host, Maverick Levy, and I have a great interview and guest lined up for today's show. It's a great conversation, a great topic, an important topic. But before we go into that, I want to touch upon a few different things. Three things, actually. The first is, be sure to check out the social media pages for the podcast. You can find the show on whichever platform is your favorite by searching at TBOTBPod or just typing out the full name of the show. Number two, go and play around with the website. Always remember, the website is there to be a resource for you all to use to contact the guest or just see a picture of the guest, the website is tbotvpod.com. So definitely go play around with that as well. And number three, which is last, but certainly not least, the discussions on this podcast are for informational purposes only. I cannot predict and do not guarantee that you will attain a particular result from the information provided. You should always seek professional assistance before making decisions in connection with the topics discussed. All right, now that I have those three things out of the way, let's get right into the interview for this week. Ladies and gentlemen, for episode number 46, For today's show, we have a very special guest. His name is Ven Johnson, and he is one of the best of the best personal injury attorneys in Michigan. Ven, welcome to the show. How are you doing today?
1: Excellent Maverick. How you doing, brother?
0: I am doing great. I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. So the way I always start off my interviews, which will be the same way I will start this one off, is by getting some background information about you so that the listeners can get to know you a little bit better. So, Ven, where did you grow up?
1: Well, I was born in uh, southwest Michigan over outside of uh, Kalamazoo in a small little town called Three Rivers. I actually lived in a even smaller town called Sutterville. But my parents were uh, educators, Maverick, and so they were teaching there. And then ultimately, my dad got a job as a high school principal down in Van Wert, Ohio, for a couple years. So went down, which is southwest Ohio, uh, and then became ultimately and settled in Saginaw, where really I went to uh, public schools in Saginaw Township there from kindergarten years, all the way through my uh, high school graduation. So I consider myself in my hometown to be Saginaw, the Saganasties.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've definitely heard that before, but where did you go to law school?
1: Well, I went to undergrad at Kalamazoo College, and then uh, I got into University of Detroit School of Law at what is called then, now called U of D Mercy, in right downtown Detroit. So I came to the D, the big city for this little, you know, small town Saginaw boy, Uh, in 1983, God forbid, and went to law school uh, right down in the D and fell in love with this city and and have never left.
0: And now you're representing the people of the city. So I love that.
1: Thank you. Yep. All over Michigan and even across the the country, but no question, uh, our headquarters are in uh, Detroit and we have uh, Johnson Law, Ben Johnson Law has uh, uh, offices in downtown Flint and downtown Grand Rapids as well.
0: Amazing. Amazing. When you were a little boy, what did you think you were going to do for a living?
1: That's a great question. Uh, the short answer is play professional sports. I joke because you know, I'm turning the big six zero this year, Maverick. So I can't even believe that those words are out of my mouth. I don't feel fifty nine sixty. I feel like I same way as I did. You don't look uh, when it. Either. I was back in college. Well, you're very kind. Thank you. But so I played sports. You know, I tell everybody. Uh, you know, we didn't have this interweb thing. Uh, We didn't have the internet. We didn't have nothing, man. We had lucky if we had three channels. Uh, We had ABC, NBC, and sometimes CBS. And I mean that with all due honesty. Uh, It depends on how great of a TV you had and if you were getting great reception. So we were outside and outside playing sports. So I was uh, in the neighborhood uh, playing baseball, basketball, football, tennis, you name it. And uh, it's just what we did. And so I would have told you I was going to be a pro-, a pro baller, but you know, that doesn't always go the way that you think it will, you know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love asking that question to all the guests that come on the show because everyone just has such a range of things they thought they were going to do when they were a little kid. And I just like to put it in perspective for them also but also for the listeners because we have a lot of listenership that is of a younger age so at one point they thought maybe they were going to do something and then look where life took them
1: nothing nothing wrong with that right maverick my my parents again mom uh, was a high school teacher dad was a junior high principal uh for the most part of his career and i knew you know teaching was great and i an honorable profession and i think it's one of the backbones of our country to tell you the truth something that we need to do a lot better at in terms of recognizing the contribution that educators give to our not just our youth but our country uh, and our world for that matter. But in any event, uh, I kind of knew I didn't want to necessarily just do that. Uh, but I didn't grow up having a lawyer in my family. I I didn't even know a lawyer. You know, when I I was working odd jobs, I started working uh, in the summers and stuff when I was fourteen years of age, and. Uh, Ultimately, when I became a pretty decent tennis player back in the tennis boom of the 1970s, when tennis really became a really, really international uh, hot sport, if you will, and people started playing, I then started teaching lessons uh, as a uh, tennis professional, really. And so I did all sorts of jobs, I, and I told everyone we couldn't afford to uh, join the country club, so I worked at the country club. And that's that's no BS. That's exactly what I did uh, my last two years in high school. So. there's no question. I I learned how to work hard, didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. And then in 10th grade, Maverick, don't ask me how. I said, I want to be a lawyer.
0: And and that's kind of- Just came to you.
1: Didn't even know a lawyer, but I knew I liked to argue. (laughs) As anyone who will tell you, I love to argue. And there's no question that the kind of a one-on-one aspect, you know, in a courtroom is very, very appealing to me because it takes- really to be very quick on your feet, you have to be quote smart, whatever that means to a person, but better than smart. If you're dealing with a jury and a judge, you need to be prepared. You need to know everything about your your case. And to me, the most important thing you need to do is care about people in particular, the person that you're representing and respect and care about the process, the judicial process. And, uh, And I think that's something that's really important that gets lost on a lot of lawyers and a lot of law students about how important it is to respect the entire system of justice and how you may not like a given law. Well, then go out and do what you need to do to change that law. But, you know, don't be disrespecting it and don't be pretending like it doesn't exist what it does.
0: Look at that in the intro and already get into some great life advice. I love it, Ben. I absolutely love it. But now the listeners know you a little better. So let's get into what I always refer to as the quote unquote nitty gritty of the interview, the reason the people listen. So I think the best place to start here, Ben, is if you had to describe personal injury law to a class of students in high school, very briefly, how would you do that? What would you say to them?
1: Well, two major areas of law, huge umbrellas, criminal law where people can end up going to jail or prison and civil law where people ultimately, the only remedy they can really get is money. Personal injury falls under the ladder, the civil uh, jurisprudence, civil law. So really what you're fighting about, the only thing that you can ultimately attain uh, is money. So personal injury really Maverick is anything where anybody can get injured. The easy thing that that can pop into anybody's mind is an automobile accident or a truck accident, motorcycle accident, bicycle accident, snowmobile, jet skis, a personal watercraft, boats, you name it. Anything that moves and can injure somebody, there can be a personal injury action. And it also goes into other things. People may not necessarily attribute to personal injury. If you're injured by a uh, healthcare professional, doesn't necessarily mean a doctor, could be a nurse, could be a physician's assistant, could be a physical therapist, all sorts of things. And that is, under Michigan law, would be medical malpractice. If you're injured and one of the causes of the injury is a defective or a dangerous product, then it would be product liability. So all of those things are, would fall under this huge umbrella as personal injury law.
0: Got it. So now the listeners know a little bit about personal injury law. You gave them the background, the spectrum, the different avenues it could possibly take, and the different ways you know that someone could, God forbid, get into an accident. You know, like you said, whether it's jet ski, car, motorcycle, whatever it is. But why did you choose personal injury law? Why is this the fight that you chose?
1: Thank you. Well. Short answer is probably because the avenue that I thought I was pursuing and wanted to pursue was criminal law. I wanted to be uh, an assistant Wayne County prosecutor, Wayne County, of course, being Detroit metropolitan area. So U of D Law School Maverick is located about three blocks down the street on St. Antoine from what we used to call Recorder's Court. It's a part of the Wayne County Circuit Court system that is 100% devoted to criminal law. And because it was so close to U of D and because I knew many people that worked in that building as part of the criminal law system, uh, I would go down and watch hearings. I would go down and watch jury trials. So, and I said, man, I want to be a prosecutor. I want to be the guy or, gal that puts the bad guy away in prison. But back in that day, the only way that you could become a Wayne County prosecutor is if you uh, did really well on a civil service exam. And that's how they still do it to this day, is at least in part my understanding. Not the case, by the way, in Oakland County. Not the case, by the way, in Macomb County. I didn't want to live out in Oakland or Macomb County at the time. I wanted to live, I lived downtown Detroit. I wanted to stay in downtown Detroit and I wanted to be you know, right in the D. But when 330 some people take the exam, I finished number 28 out of 300 and some. And I thought that was pretty good for some you know, local Yoko guy from Saginaw. Uh, <laughs> but unfortunately, uh, everybody wanted to be a Wayne County prosecutor that year. So they hired a bunch of people between the numbers of 1 and 23. So, now what do you do? There's your dream. That's why you thought you went to law school. I thought I was going to go be a prosecutor for a while, maybe run and be judge, which is totally naive and now that I better understand completely unrealistic, but <laughs> but that's what I thought. So really what I did then Maverick is I applied for to law firms all across the Detroit metropolitan area to be a civil lawyer and really for somebody that wasn't the number one or two guy in my class, and I want your listeners to hear me. Ladies and gentlemen, bottom third of my class, people, and proud of it, okay? Doesn't mean grades aren't important, of course they are, but not everybody can finish up there. So I was bottom third of my class. I was uh, very excited to be a lawyer, and lucky for me, I got a, a job with a smaller firm that didn't go so great, and then I got a big job with a big firm was called Cole Seacrest back in the day. And they had 55 lawyers, about 150 employees, and they represented Maverick, the insurance companies and corporations that ended up getting sued when someone got injured. So for example, God forbid you're in a car accident and you sued my client, Bob Smith, who happened to be insured by Allstate Insurance Company. Allstate would call up Cole Seacrest and say, hey, I need you to represent Bob Smith. And boom, Ben Johnson shows up and represents Bob Smith on behalf of Allstate.
0: Got it. Got it, listen, a very interesting route you took to get to where you are, but like I said in the beginning of the show, I'm a true believer that everything happens for a reason, so you are in the place in your life, in my eyes, for a reason, and here you are Are on the best of the best, so hence, it took you somewhere for sure, but now let's get into what's not taught in school, some specific topics, but I think the first one I wanna talk about is, like you said, the most common one, it was the first one that came off your tongue was car accidents. So God forbid someone gets into a car accident and they feel some pain, but it's not crazy. They're not horribly injured. They just feel some pain. What does Venn, the best of the best, recommend them to do at that moment?
1: Number one, at the scene of the accident, the accident needs to be reported to the police so that the police can come and make a report. Why do that? Even if it's a small fender bender. And the answer is because of documentation. The police will come. They get the everybody's name, address, telephone numbers. They get everybody's version to the accident. They get uh, all of the pertinent information about your automobile insurance or not, for those that are illegal and, and don't have it. All of that gets recorded, and a general version of the accident gets recorded. And then one of the things the police officers, of course, will ask is, are you injured? Do you need an ambulance? And one of the things, Maverick, that most people don't do is they don't want to go to the hospital in an ambulance. And it's so funny because out there, because of what I believe to be people in the media, not in some, not all, but people who who really just want to sensationalize the bad about my industry uh, or people in general, is they, they want to make it out like everybody's a faker. I got news for you. In 35 years of practice, I don't have fakers. I don't believe in fakers and I wouldn't take a faker. Because that's not honest and real. And the way I get paid, Maverick, don't forget, we can talk about this a little bit more, is I get paid by a contingent fee agreement. I only get paid if I win or I settle the case on behalf of my client. And I'm the one that has to pay all the litigation costs that uh, when you file a lawsuit, it takes a year to two years to get to a trial date. All that money that gets to be paid to people for experts, if I need various experts in various fields, if I take depositions of people, a sworn testimony under oath, I have to pay for those deposition transcripts. So I pay tens of thousands of dollars on each and every one of my cases. So if I have a crappy case and a faker, those people end up getting caught. I won't get paid. My case would be thrown out of court and I could lose my law license. So I don't do this thing that a lot of people uh, believe are out there, these frivolous lawsuits. I've never done one, I never will. And although I'm sure they exist somewhere, they are not in any way prevalent in a way in which it's been portrayed in the media.
0: Listen, I absolutely love that. And I'll get into my experience with personal injury law a little bit later when the time is right. But I absolutely love that you brought up you know, the sort of elephant in the room with personal injury law that people see some of it as, you know, being bullshit and being fake and faker. So I absolutely love your stance on it. I love the way you present yourself, that you represent your law firm. I love everything about what you just said because I think it shows the type of not only person that you are, but lawyer that you are in the eyes of the court system, the judicial system, and all those things. I think it's very important that we do have honest and transparent lawyers and attorneys representing, representing the victim.
1: Absolutely, and Maverick, let me kind of wrap that around, maybe hopefully a little bit more responsive to your question. So, what if you're you have some pain, you have some discomfort, and I tell everybody the same thing: go to your doctor. Go to your doctor, whether it's your primary care physician, or if you're an urgent care person or an ER emergency room person, depending on the level of what you think is going on. What absolutely happens. In almost every single accident, whether it turns out to be a big case or not, people after a few days start feeling worse because of the way in which trauma, the way in which it it takes a while for our bodies to swell and react to trauma. Now, obviously, if your arm is hanging off of your shoulder by a flap of skin and you can see bones, you've got a fractured arm, shoulder, and that needs immediate surgery before you could die. Yeah, uh, Everyone knows that. But if you have a stiff neck, if you develop a headache, if you hit your body part on the steering wheel, on, uh, you have burns or tears, if you will, across your chest and stomach from a seatbelt. All of these things can lead to more serious injury down the road as time develops. But especially, I'll call it injuries to your spine and your neck, your back, and your thoracic spine. So what I tell people is go to your doctor, explain what happened, tell them what happened in the accident. Dude, I was stopped at a red light and some dude just blew up the back end of my car by running into me. It's important that they know it's a rear end impact because that tells them a little bit about what your body went through. Or you tell them, you know, I ran into somebody because he ran the red light. So I hit his the side of his car with the front of my car called a frontal impact. Again, we call that mechanism of injury, giving them some understanding of what you and your body have gone through. And even if it turns out, Maverick, where you have nothing, okay, or nothing that stands up over the course of time, at least you document it because it's in a medical record on or about the day of the incident that you were in an accident, you were in a crash, and this is what my body feels like. And that way, things down the road that develop Doctors can then figure out, is it related to this car crash or not? And for the most part, although part of litigation, there's all sorts of things the defense lawyers and and their doctors come up with. I call them the insurance industry doctors that a lot of people don't know exist, by the way. They do pretty much nothing but uh, say that there's no injury no matter what because they get uh, paid by the insurance company to examine all these people. They call them independent medical examinations. They're anything but independent. But in any event, <laughs> the fact of the matter is, at least then, Maverick, it's documented, and people, for the most part, doctors especially, are going to figure out pretty easily whether your injuries are related to a car crash or whatever kind of a crash or not.
0: Got it. Makes sense. And before, when you answered the question you brought up, first thing to do would be call the cops, make sure there's a record of it. What happens if someone gets in an accident that's not their fault? And the person that hit them says, hey, please don't call the cops. You know, I'll pay for the damages to your car and I'll give you a little extra money. How should someone handle that type of situation?
1: I'd be very, very, very suspicious that something's up with that and why they didn't want the cops to know. I will tell you what, a year ago, I was involved in a a situation where a doctor, a medical doctor, because he gave me his card, I gave him my card, and we exchanged information. I gave him mine, he, he got his. We took a picture of the damage of his car and my car. And this guy caused the accident, admitted he caused the accident. And now here I am a year later getting phone calls from some guy from a different state claiming that the accident was my fault, right? So I didn't listen to my own advice. Luckily, no one was injured. And if I would have thought either one of us were injured, it was just a really minor kind of a sideswipe accident here on a really low speed impact. But it's perfect example of why not to do what I did. There you go.
0: Got it. Love it. Uh, firsthand example about that. My next question for you would be, what if someone is the person that caused the auto accident that, God forbid, caused someone to get injured? How should they handle that situation?
1: Well, again, it depends on the situation, right? So if you're, God forbid, texting, which is a, and don't get me wrong. Yes, I've done it. But if you're being stupid, very candidly, and texting and driving, and you're the one that hits somebody in the rear end while they're stopped at a light, yeah, when you get out, apologize, right? Be a person. Don't worry about, there's not going to be any long-term likely problems, if you will, from you admitting the truth from the beginning. But most lawyers would tell you, don't make a whole lot of statements about the accident unless you have to, uh, right? But if a police officer comes, absolutely, you want to tell the 100% truth because you don't ever want to uh, be a part of a false police report, which actually can lead to criminal charges. So you want to tell the truth and be real upright about what happened. And I will tell you, for the most part, if you admit in a situation, you're the one that ran a red light, you ran the stop sign. You're the one, the person will stop lawfully, and you're the one that crashed into their rear end. People really appreciate, juries always appreciate, transparency and 100% honesty and taking responsibility for one's actions. And it goes a long way in life. It goes a long way in a jury trial. And in my opinion, it's absolutely imperative that we all step up and take responsibility if we make a mistake.
0: Absolutely. You know, I talk about leadership on the show all the time. A little slogan of the show is always lead by example. And I think that's leadership. Exactly. Leadership is understanding when you've made a mistake or when you're the one to blame for something, you need to stand up and say, this is my fault and I take responsibility for my actions. Absolutely. That's absolutely part of leadership. But before we switch gears into another popular area for what I'll call PI attorneys and PI stands for personal injuries. Is there anything you think the listeners absolutely need to know about car accidents and personal injury law? Or do you think we touched upon pretty much the basics of it? Obviously, there's way more that goes more in depth, but anything that's essential that you think we missed? I always like to give the chance to ask that.
1: Yeah, I think it's really important, Maverick, that people understand that crashes happen every single day. And because they're so prevalent, they happen so often. And because of what I believe to be, especially about 15, 20 years ago, it was it was a political ploy by uh, then-President Bush and the Republican Party, without going too deep into politics, to bash trial lawyers and personal injury law. And it will not surprise you to know that one of the leading uh, donation-type organizations to Democrats over the last 40 years has been personal injury trial lawyers. So it wasn't very uh, sophisticated. It was certainly a political battle. But they did an amazing job of creating this thing called tort reform that they got passed all over everywhere, all across our union, leading trying to lead everybody to believe that they're trying to make things more fair, when in reality, what they did is just paint everybody who is a victim of a car crash or personal injury out to be a liar and a faker. And it's not true. And I'm telling you something, and I think it's important for your listeners. Talk to anybody who's been involved in a serious car crash that has sustained an injury. It is a life-altering, absolutely horrible thing to live through. And all of a sudden, even when you haven't done something wrong, you feel like everybody's pointing the finger at you like you're the bad guy. So what I always say to people is before you step out, jump on a bandwagon, especially of haters and bulliers, and making fun of or calling names and things like that, just remember, folks, you talked about it, leading Maverick, and I call it the golden rule. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Be careful right? for shaming somebody or or jumping on that negative bandwagon if you've never been involved with something like this, because I promise you, it's a big deal, and it is a life-changing situation that you would not wish on your worst enemy.
0: Thank you for that. I think that is very important information for the listeners to hear from your perspective, right? Because I could say sort of the same thing along the lines, but hearing it from you, this is what you do every day. This is, you know, what puts food on the table for your family this is motivates you to wake up in the morning and you seem like you have the passion for it so hearing it from you i think should really put it into perspective for the listeners and the way that they should act and also knowing the history of personal injury law and that rhetoric that's been put behind it of these people are faker these people are liars let's change it van we got to change it and i i know you're working towards changing that rhetoric and changing that that image that people have and i absolutely love it so you know, Great job with that. Great job laying that out for the listeners. But like I said, transitioning a little bit here, I know another popular area for personal injury is slip and falls. Is that something you handle as well as slip and falls?
1: Well, one of my pet peeves, yes, it's really called premises liability. That's the technical area of law where somebody is injured on somebody else's premises or property. Again, slip and falls are one of those areas, much like auto accidents. In fact, I think slip and falls, even more so, Maverick, have been butchered by folks on the outside as being all fake, as if people would want to stage a fall and an injury because injuring your body somehow is a lot of fun and it can lead to money. Am I saying that it's never been done in life? It might be somewhere else. In my years of practice, 35 years I've been a lawyer, not a single one of my clients ever has been a faker and a liar and staged a slip and fall incident. I was a a defense lawyer for the first 10 years of my life, as I told you at my firm, Cole Seacrest, before I switched side and then joined uh, Jeffrey Figer and the Figer Law Firm until I was there for 16 years. And then I started my own practice, Ben Johnson Law, 10 years ago. 35 years of practice. So 10 as a defense lawyer, the guy who represented uh, the folks who were being sued like a property owner, never saw a faker, never saw a staged slip and fall. And then my last 25 years on behalf of victims, I personally have never seen a staged fall. So again, it's an area that folks pick on a lot and they pretend like it's funny. Sorry, guys, this shows my age. I do not watch these videos with people falling and so forth because I'm the guy that goes visits these guys in the emergency room, or I go to their funerals when they hit their head and sustain a brain bleed and die, or they end up uh, with severe spinal fractures and end up being a, a paraplegic or quadriplegic, and I visit them in the hospitals and the rehab centers. So I don't watch that crap. I don't like it. I don't think it's funny. And I think it belittles, again, a number of people that have serious, serious personal injury because of a fall on somebody's property, where more often than not, it's related to a condition on the property that's dangerous, that never should be allowed to exist.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The condition of the property, I think, is a big one that some people aren't just taking care of it and people just think, oh, well, that was your fault. You shouldn't have made that step or you stepped in the wrong place. Well... I don't think that should be the rhetoric that's seen as, again, placing blame on the victim rather than the property owner, maybe rather than, okay. Blame
1: the victim, baby. It's what they do all the time on the defense side. And it's a tactic. It's a litigation tactic. No question. We call it deny, delay, defend, and play the blame game, baby. Blame the victim. So we're going to always point the finger at the victim. So yeah, I had a 10-foot hole in the middle of my driveway, it only been there for three, four months, Maverick. I, I should have had yellow tape around it. But the fact that I invited you over to my house, I don't have lights on outside. You still should have seen that 10 or 15 foot hole in the middle of my driveway when you were leaving my house the other day.
0: Yeah. Really? Yeah, it's crazy. I mean,
1: no, the onus is on me as a property owner- Of course. To take care of my stuff. Of course. Now, you have an obligation to watch out where you're walking, no question. And if it's pitch dark, then you and I could talk about a couple of things that maybe you could try to do to try to make it safer. But it's me as the property owner. Again, it doesn't mean that I guarantee 100% of your safety at all times. You still have to use due care and caution yourself as a person. But I got to step up and take responsibility for how things exist on my property, especially if I'm inviting people on my property, Maverick, to sell them a product or a service, and therefore make money on it. I owe them even a m- more responsibility.
0: So let's say that, and God forbid, I keep saying it, but I'm just superstitious, so everyone, if you care, I don't care that you care, but if someone does slip and fall, and, and they do have a slip and fall, and they hurt themselves at a place of a business, or a resident, what should they do next? What should those next steps be?
1: Let me just look, point something out to you. Look what you just said, and they hurt themselves. Who said they hurt themselves if they're hurt on somebody else's property? With me? Hurt themselves is something that we've learned to say to blame the victim. So I'm not trying to pick on you. No, it's a great point. It's it's right there. So great point. So what you got to do is this. If you're in typically a slip and fall or a trip and fall, the injuries that I see, Maverick again, ain't nobody coming to me. If they did come to me, I'd say thank you, no, thank you. If they had a you know a hangnail, right? But unfortunately, with tripping and falls and slipping and falls, the type of injuries that we often see are major leg and ankle fractures, foot fractures, hip fractures, and then head injuries and spinal injuries because of when they actually fall to the ground, how they fall to the ground. So if you are incapacitated, if you're one of those, unfortunately, that have this horrible injury you're not gonna have the time or the ability to pull a phone out and start taking photographs. But what you do need to do after you get immediate emergency medical care is you need to ask your friends and family if it's feasible to go and make an incident report for you. And if you're capable of doing it, then you can make the phone calls or get some immediate medical help but go back to the, the property, the premises and make a formal complaint And you want an incident report filled out by the premises owner, if it's a business, especially, so it can be documented of what you say happened. I was on your property yesterday, uh, July 17, Saturday, at about two o'clock when blah happened. I went to the hospital. They told me I broke my leg and now I have to have pins and uh, plates put in my leg. And I want you to know that because... You should have fixed this, blah, blah, blah. And I think that's what caused me to fall. So again, it's documentation, right? So, and if if it's a serious injury, uh, typically now what'll happen is 911 should be called. And guess who shows up, y'all? Police. And then if somebody's injured, fire slash rescue slash ambulance. Document, document, document. And that's exactly how you do it, just like in a car crash. And then of course, your medical care Same thing like we talked about Maverick in a car crash, get your immediate medical care situation under control, but make sure that for your documentation as well, and then follow up with your physicians and explain to them kind of, again, the mechanism of injury, what fell, how you fell, how it kind of came about, so they can have a general understanding of what and how you were injured. And then that will be placed as part in the medical record.
0: You know, it's funny because I grew up I know you know my family a little bit. So I grew up with a lawyer in the house. So I grew up always thinking about liability. I never really threw parties because I was always, you know, putting my head about liability. And so what I want to say from an outsider perspective, someone that's not really involved in the in the PI world, is when I go to businesses, I don't really focus on it so much at residences because I'm not really going to someone's house, but I see how this could also parallel to residences. But when I go to businesses, whether they're chain businesses, franchise, or independent mom pop businesses, I see that people just don't take care of their premises, of their property in a safe manner. And, you know, there's something on the ground or they haven't trimmed this or there's a piece of concrete that's a little bit higher at one point than the other point. So it causes there's a gap there now. And I think that if because there are entrepreneurs, I talk about entrepreneurship a lot. And if you are one day going to own a business or if right now you do own a business All it takes is maybe a few hours at most to ensure that your place of business is as safe as it can be and that you have made sure that it's as safe as can be by fixing any probable liabilities that may be on your property. So I just think that extra due diligence, that extra time just caring about it would save them a lot of stress in their life that they wouldn't have to worry about such things as if, oh, I haven't checked that in a year or two. Oh, and then something happens, something happens. So then it's back on them, right? Because they didn't take the time. You're so right,
1: Maverick. And then from a business perspective, because come on, folks, I represent, I got 15 lawyers, I got uh, just shy of 50 employees. I have three different law firms, three different cities. So I face liability as well. But you want to think about doing the right thing for the right reason, right? Do to others. I want people when they come to Johnson Law to be safe. So I take safety very, very personally. So when COVID came about and so forth, we put things in place to keep my employees safe and to keep people who came to my law firm safe uh, at the time when we were, not of course, locked down. But that's just because it's the right thing. In fact, it's my responsibility in the law, by the way, to do it. And it's the right thing. I don't want anybody getting hurt on my property if they can help it. But on top of it being the right thing for the right reason, and you're obligated as a business owner under law, if you're one of those that think more fiscally, so about money, you're going to save yourself money if no one gets hurt on your property, y'all. Because the your premiums of your uh, liability insurance, and all the different types of insurance that you have will go up the more claims that you have. Can you 100% prevent ever from getting a claim? is likely, no, you can't. But if you take care, if you take care and do your best, like you just laid out, overwhelmingly, you're not going to have a personal injury that happens on your property. And so I absolutely agree with you. So it's more important to do the right thing for the right reason. But for those that are in the business and they want to focus more on the money part, uh, Maverick, it's going to save them a shit ton of dough too. So, Just do the right thing,
0: man. Something that always blew my mind now that we're talking about it, I'll bring it up briefly, is, well, now I'm living in sunny South Florida. But when I was going to school in Michigan, at Michigan State in East Lansing, during the snow time, there were so many liabilities that I would see Michigan State University have because, you know, they weren't... uh, laying salt down by steps to go up to a building for class so it was very very slippery or once you got inside they had no mat for shoes so what was happening is right. you had these stairs tracking it all over yeah so the yep. stairs were coming super slippery so it just blew my mind because I'm sure that it has happened where people have took a spill due to the lack of safety that has been placed safety. upon there's no question yeah
1: and I think it's really important to also do when you're out in public and you're on, out of these premises and so forth. And I guess it shocks people, I don't know why, because I do what I do. But if I walk into a store Maverick and there's a mat like you're talking about where you wipe your shoes and somehow I'm sure you've seen it where a mat is it's got a it's like flipped upside down or it's a huge wrinkle in it that no one from the company has come and pulled it so it's straight, I'll always be that guy. I'll always put it down in place where it belongs. I'll always make sure that it's flat the way it's supposed to be. If there's a spill, I'll stand by that spill, and uh, I'll even call the store and tell them, hey, man, I'm in aisle 29. There is a complete jar of mustard all over the floor. I'm going to stand here, make sure that no one walks through it so they can't get injured, right? right? I'm that guy. But And again, it's just, I think, common sense, but be on the lookout for not just yourself, but other folks too, right?
0: Yeah, no, I two responses to that. The first one is, so I actually have myself move mats out of the way that have been flipped up or wrinkled, but not for the reason that you say. It's because I have horrible OCD. And if I walk in somewhere in the mats like that, my brain is automatically triggered to just go and fix that. But hey, I guess I'm killing two birds with one stone by fixing it.
1: Yeah, you're helping out people, baby. It's exactly what you're doing.
0: But the second thing is, and I think this radiates to show the kind of person that you are is if Ven really was not a nice guy and had this image that people put on personal injury lawyers and that they're just out there to make a dollar and really they don't care about the people that they're helping. Listen, Ven wouldn't clean that up. Ven wouldn't fix that flap in the rug. He would sit there and wait for someone to, God forbid, slip and fall on it because it was flipped up and wasn't taken care of and then say, hey, here's my business card. This is what you should do next. So I think it radiates to show the type of person that you are.
1: Thank you, man. But you know, it's really funny. I, I take great pride in what I do and, and the long standing history of trial lawyers in general. And that means not just plaintiff lawyers, people on behalf of victims, but the other side, too. Those guys and gals consider themselves to be trial lawyers, and they are. But my deal, like Maverick, is, is I'm proud of on behalf of victims. Uh, think about like cars. Do you guys realize, I your listeners, you said, were younger, so they won't. When I was growing up, y'all, in the 1970s, and I started driving in the uh, mid-70s, we didn't have seatbelts in the back of cars. You know why? Because they were, quote, dangerous, end quote. You know who called them dangerous? The American automobile manufacturers that didn't want to pay for seatbelts in the back of cars. The only cars that had seatbelts in the back, y'all, was this really funky company that no one heard of in the 1970s called Volvo Car Company from Sweden. Ever heard of them? they were the leaders in automotive safety. And then came Mercedes and others. But ladies and gentlemen, we didn't always have airbags. Why? Airbags were dangerous. Who said that? The automobile manufacturers of the United States said they were dangerous. How did these things ultimately come into being? And the federal government did not back in the day pass a law that required seatbelts and airbags. The automobile industry, absolutely started doing those voluntarily because they got sick and tired of being sued for people like me that told them, hey, wait a minute, this is what they're doing in other countries. This is what other automobile manufacturers are doing. And this is far safer than what you're saying is the case. And product safety like that, Maverick, I'm I'm incredibly proud of, I'm proud that if if someone sees a flipped up uh, carpet and they're pro business and they're strong, conservative, good for you. Go put that carpet down because you want to prevent a guy's whose client like mine uh, can get injured or a guy like me, if you want to prevent me from making that money, good for you. Go put that carpet down, but do the right thing for the right reason. That is, I don't want anybody to get hurt.
0: Yeah, no. Absolutely and you know as we wind down to the outro of the interview I have a few more business related general questions about personal injury. My first one would be that there are so many avenues that personal injury law can take, like you said in the beginning of the interview, but what would you say is the most common one that someone calls your office for? And obviously there's different types of accidents and more severe than not, but what would you say is the the most common type of reason that someone does call your office?
1: Great question and you'll be shocked to learn everybody would probably think it's an automobile accident or a trip and fall, it's not. It's medical malpractice by far. Wow! Everybody and their brother, okay, everybody and their brother expects when they go to a physician that they're going to have a great outcome. And unfortunately, statistically, that is highly untrue for a lot of reasons. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's because of medical malpractice that they don't get a better outcome. People can get crappy outcomes simply because that's the way their body heals or uh, that the physician did not commit uh, actually medical malpractice, but maybe just didn't do as great of a job as that physician would like to have done, yet not rising to the level of malpractice. Yeah. There's all sorts of explanations for that. But the fact of the matter is, uh, Maverick, that's the number one call I get. I don't take very many medmal cases anymore. I do some. Uh, but only really, really large cases. And they're very, very difficult to prosecute and handle and win, especially under Michigan law. That's a whole other thing you could ask me about sometime. I won't bore you with all that right now, but what I believe to be semi-crooked laws in favor of the medical industry and doctors and hospitals, because their lobby has done a a better job uh, than the lobby on behalf of the victims. Uh, But that's the number one thing. And the second thing that people would not ever expect is I get phone calls about employment situations, about somebody being fired, laid off, uh, disciplinary action at work, what they believe to be bullying by uh, some type of a supervisor, what have you. Obviously, it doesn't include uh, sex harassment and so forth. But again, we don't take a whole lot of those cases. They're very difficult to prosecute and win here in Michigan. But those are the two probably largest, just raw number of telephone calls that I get that I don't even take the overwhelming majority of.
0: Wow, that's definitely a shocker to me. I would have definitely not if this was a multiple choice test, I definitely wouldn't have just circled one of those on the it answer most sheet. Yeah, but you know, and like when I said before I want to give my insight. So, I have actually done an internship years ago, I think 5 years ago at a personal injury law firm in downtown LA in Koreatown. And it was one of the most interesting uh, experiences I am I am at a loss for words but all I have to say is I respect you so much because I have seen firsthand what this industry is like and I could just never do it. I am going to law school. I am wanting to become a lawyer. I definitely am not going to want to become a personal injury lawyer, but I want to say that it takes a lot of work, a lot of patience, just like anything, I guess, but a lot of patience and the You know, it was a bit different. I'll be honest with you. Where yeah,
1: come on, I want to hear. Yeah, yeah,
0: it was a bit different in my eyes because where I was, I think there were some fakers and there were some people that weren't necessarily being truthful and honest. And I think that. The law firm that I worked at was okay with it, if you want my honest opinion. So the clientele that I saw coming into the office was just, I mean, mind boggling. I had people coming in there, swinging around canes and and trying to get medicine or trying to get money. And you know, the interns are the first line of defense dealing with those people coming into the office. So I think it was a bit different because I just think that that was the nature and the way that they looked at people. They didn't look at them whether they were being honest like you do, and that was definitely something that I I remember till this day even back then when I was 17 years old I disagreed with them about Um, but just doing the research that I did and writing about it and writing articles for this law firm it was just such an interesting and such a unique experience yeah every day is a fight of course but you're fighting for the right reasons and I think that's also something I disagreed with these people about is they weren't always fighting for the right reasons and so You know, I love hearing your take on it and I love this interview because I think there are situations in life where things happen to people, whether it's yourself, God forbid, a family member, God forbid, Whoever it is, you never wanna see someone be hurt, you never wanna see someone be injured, but at the end of the day, things do happen, and I think it's very important for people to know this type of information, to know what to do in situations, to know what the process should be for them so they can protect themselves or protect their family if someone is to blame for the accident that happened at hand, but it's not taught in school. And this is another topic that I always say the focus of the podcast is to talk about what's not taught in school. You talked about how your family were educators, and I think that's amazing. But I just think that there are so many topics in life that aren't taught in school that are essential that we need to focus on that, and this is one of them, right? Because accidents do happen, and mistakes you, do yeah. happen.
1: Something that was never taught really in law school, although at some level maybe it was Maverick, is you know if the lawyers that you were involved with in that law firm were not actively teaching you as an intern law clerks and the staff on what we call you know, uh, sifting through intakes, new cases. They, you need to start forming impressions. You need to gather the medical records to see if there's proof of this. You need to get the police report or the incident report from the, uh, where the incident happened, whether it's a car crash or a fall at a store or what have you, to see if it happened the way your client is uh, describing it to you. All of these things are part of what I'm going to call the weed-out process. And what a lot of people don't understand is merely because someone comes to my firm and I sign them up as a client, that doesn't mean I'm going to be filing a lawsuit for them. I conduct, more often than not, a very thorough, detailed investigation to make sure their story checks out. That doesn't mean I don't trust my clients. It means I'm verifying. I'm seeing if the evidence is there to support. And if the evidence isn't there to support, then I'm not going to take that case. I'm not going to actually file a lawsuit. And there's nothing wrong with that process of weeding in and weeding out, if you will, is kind of the in-house term that we call it. Uh, But again, what I would be critical of is if any one of those cases where people are swinging canes, looking for drugs, et cetera, if those ended up in court and in a lawsuit, Yeah, I'd be critical of that. But in the same thing, Maverick, I was at a defense firm. How many times do you think on the other side where an accident or injury is 100% that other person's fault and they deny that they did anything wrong?
0: Yeah, true. How about that? That's a great point.
1: A person runs into the rear of somebody and lies and said, "Uh, well, I did run into the rear of you. That's only because you jammed on the brakes after we were going down the road real quick because blah, blah, blah even though really what happened is the person was texting and never paid attention, Yeah. right? Yeah. Or the person left the accident scene because they were drinking and driving and then they never tell anybody that they were under the influence. So if we're gonna be honest with ourselves, lying, shades of truth, whatever you wanna call it, it's not just one side, it can, it can happen on either side of a lawsuit and that's why it's up to the lawyers and the evidence to prove with evidence what really happened with reliable, verifiable, often, oftentimes objective evidence of what really happened. And that's why I told you from the beginning, having respect for the process, for the truth, and for evidence, to me, is, is really important.
0: Ven, with all that being said, if you had to teach a course in college about personal injury law, what would be the one thing that you would want students to take away from the course?
1: How important law is to our society and everyday life. We are effectuating, I'll call it the Constitution and the laws of our respective states and our also federal laws as well. Every single day, we're helping people and explaining to people to understand what the laws say and what they don't say, what they mean and what they don't mean. So the importance of law to me in everyday life, Maverick, whether you have a tax problem and need some guy named Lawrence, let to help <laughs> you out, <laughs> right? If yeah. you have a personal injury and you happen to hopefully call uh, 855-BEN-FIGHTS, if you need a if there's a business dispute and you go down the street and you ask anybody and uh, I tell you Mike Jacobson, a good buddy of mine uh, that you may know him or his family, great lawyer, great commercial lawyer. He handles disputes between businesses. These affect everybody's lives. Probate law, where somebody dies, family law, where there's a not just necessarily a divorce. It can be a lot of different other family issues where the court systems become involved. These things affect everybody and what i say is by the time somebody gets close to their toward the end of their life you have kind of come into contact with the criminal and or the civil uh law in multiple ways over the course of your life if you're fortunate enough to live a long one not necessarily good bad or otherwise it's just life yeah so it's important that we as lawyers again know the system respect the system and teach others to respect the system no matter how they what side they're on and what they do but to really go at this in terms of this is a pursuit of truth and honesty but to be fair as a lawyer you know i only represent one side so my side's truth becomes more important to me because that's my job than the other side's truth but i still need to know what the other side think is true because i need to know how I'm going to beat them in court and try to do what i do to convince the jury that my version, my evidence is more reliable than theirs. So it's important that we all know the truth and that we remember this is not a game. It's not about getting rich. It's not about filing the most lawsuits or getting the biggest settlement. Those things are all important, but it's about representing people and bringing law to life for people and hopefully not making it as miserable as it can be in certain instances, because anytime you're involved in a system, it can be incredibly difficult for the folks that are, are the ones that are in the middle of that dispute.
0: I love that. I think that would be something that's very important that people should take away from this episode, you know, that is valid, useful information that they should respect the law and respect the system and respect the process of how it works. But you brought up something, and this is a question I always ask. How did you learn about things like taxes, insurance, loans, et cetera? And I asked the question because my family is in the tax business and that's what I'm going to be going into as well. But how did you learn about those types of things as now a business owner?
1: Well, you know, the short answer is I really haven't, Maverick. Uh, I think what I've done a pretty good job on, especially in the last 10 years now that I own my own business, is I've learned very quickly to call smart guys like your dad and say, Lawrence, you know, what the heck does this mean? Uh, and then I'll hire your dad to consult with me or to look at a particular issue and give me advice. And so I think that anyone that pretends like they know everything to everything, you're the only person you're uh, fooling y'all is yourself, right? And so we always say uh, in the law, it's great saying your dad will laugh on this one if he hears it because they teach us in law school, any lawyer that has themselves for a client who represents themselves, if you will, it has a fool for a client.
0: Yeah, I've heard that. Don't represent
1: yourself, right? So if I have a business dispute, which, yeah, man, I've I've gotten into a number of them. So I have a lawyer or two that I go to, and I will uh, consult hopefully long before a lawsuit to avoid a lawsuit. But if I'm in a lawsuit, yeah, I Go to them and let them handle it. And then I'm the client and they make recommendations to me. If I had an ongoing tax uh, issue, God forbid I'm knocking on wood,
0: Yeah, uh, I would go to
1: your dad. But again, it's knowing and admitting to yourself, I may not have all the answers, but I need to figure out who's the best out there in this industry and and have a couple different names so I can do some research on who they are and make up my mind.
0: Absolutely. And I always plug Levy & Associates. So if any of you listeners out there do need help with any tax matters, you can call our office 800-TAX-LEVY, L-E-V-Y, or visit our website, levytaxhelp.com. But that's then-
1: also important, ladies and gentlemen, let me throw it right out there. Don't wait until you're in trouble, right? If you've got major tax issues or questions and you don't know, call the office and I'm sure your dad or he's got staff that if it's something that they can't help the the caller with, just like at my firm, I don't take every case that calls my office, but if it's an area of law that I don't practice, uh, Maverick, I'll refer them to a lawyer like your dad, like Jake, who I was talking about, Mike Jacobson or other people to handle, uh, these cases that are within their given area of
0: expertise. Absolutely. You hit the nail right on the head with that one. But then I got two last questions for you. The first. Right, buddy, here we go. The first. Wrap up. Here we go. Is give the listeners some contact information for you, your phone number, your website, all that good info.
1: Well, the website is www.benjohnsonlaw.com. That's V-E-N-J-O-H-N-S-O-N law law.com v johnson at venjohnsonlaw.com. phone number is 855 ben fights f-i-g-h-t-s ben fights
0: love it he's got a very cool website and you also have a podcast shout out your podcast
1: i do have a little bit of a podcast i'm not doing the number that you're doing brother but uh, i like to do stuff that interests me yeah and uh especially in the last year with all the uh i'll call it the social justice issues and black lives matter and the police misconduct i do that type of work and i found a lot of different things that uh in that end of life if you will very fascinating that a lot of people don't really get and understand the legal ramifications of a lot of this stuff so i'll do stuff if it interests me but i'm not somebody that this is going to go on a podcast and, and just you know just chat i like having uh, topics that really interest me and hopefully it does other people. <laughs> yeah. And if not, I respect that. There's a lot of really smart people out there to like you and have all sorts of information out there. Uh, so more power to you, man. You're doing a great job.
0: Thank you. And for the last question of the interview, and this is one that I ask every guest that comes on the show, it's the last question I always end with. And that is, Ven, what do you wish you knew when you were in your early 20s?
1: Big picture that everything's going to be all right, that everything seems to be so important. You didn't get that promotion. You didn't get that slap on the back and tell you how great you were. You didn't get that huge bonus. Hard work, learning the tools of your trade, uh, getting involved in business organization, folks, I cannot tell you how important that is because it gets your name and face out there where you're not just getting to know the people in your own firm, your own business, but you wanna meet other people from other uh, firms and businesses within your community. Even if it's a community stuff that that has nothing to do with your job per se, community organizations, your uh, various uh, temples, your religious institutions, your churches, whatever, boys and girls club, uh, I'm a tennis player, so tennis uh, organizations, if you will. These things, everything that you do, every time that you're putting your name and your face out there, you're marketing. So think of it as marketing. You have a good marketing opportunity or a bad one. Which one do you choose to show people? You're the one at the bar, you know. You have too much to drink. You're the one shouting shout your mouth off. You're the one being an idiot or making a fool of yourself. You're giving horrible marketing to yourself. Don't be that guy. Be the smart guy. Be the one that is there to kind of smooth things over. Prevent that disagreement from happening. Be the peacemaker. Buy somebody a drink that was otherwise being antagonistic. Say, hey, man, have a great night or whatever, right? Be the good person. I don't like to look at it as being a direct one-on-one benefit because just doing the right thing for the right reason is important enough. But if you're really looking, right, buddy? But if you're really talking about business, which we all should be thinking about, and I probably didn't think about enough as a younger person in terms of my business, every single thing you do, you are either blowing a perfectly good marketing opportunity or you're making the most of it. And that doesn't necessarily mean selling anything. Just be yourself, be real, be honest and do on to others that you'd want them to do on to you.
0: I love it. I love it. I love all of it. I feel like I kept saying throughout the whole episode, I love it. And that's just because I loved every single thing that you said on the show. I truly did. There's not one thing that I really disagreed with. There's not one thing that I wanted to play devil's advocate with that. Everything you said was real. It was true. And you are the definition of a leader. So I want to thank you for coming on the best of the best podcast. I hope that you enjoyed our conversation, but I also know that the listeners have definitely learned, as I've learned uh, from our conversation as well. So thank you, Ven, for coming on the show. I really appreciate you making the time, and I hope we get to do it again.
1: Thank you, Maverick. Good luck to you and best of the best podcast listeners. Ven fights, baby. Let's do it.
0: I just want to say before we go into the outro in the way that we do the outros, that I hope none of you ever get injured or are on the other side and the one causing an injury. But then is one of the best of the best, and this is an important topic to know and to understand and to have this ground base of knowledge there because accidents and things do happen and God forbid, what of them do happen. You need to know what the right course of action should be. What should you do? What should the next steps be? And that's what today's conversation was about. That's the reason that you're listening to this episode is to know what to do in these situations, to get that info because life is life and you just need to be prepared for whatever it throws your way also keep that positive energy up maintain that positive mindset because i'm a true believer of thinking positive things brings positive things into your life so always keep that mindset keep that mentality and remember everyone please continue to spread the word about this podcast the best of the best maverick's guide to success to friends family, co-workers, or like I always say, tell the random person walking on the side of the street. Roll down your window, tell them to listen, and be sure to subscribe to the podcast because you will get notified when a new episode drops. If you're listening on an Apple device and using an Apple podcast app, please be sure to leave a five-star review for the show. If you're a regular listener, you've heard me say those things a million times. But those things truly help the show grow. So please be sure to do them if you can, because it means the world. I hope everyone has a great and healthy and safe rest of the week. And don't ever stop learning. Always, 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 always remember, whatever you do in life, you must always lead by example. That's it for today, everyone. Thank you for listening to another episode of Your Favorite Podcast. This is the best of the best, Maverick's Guide to Success.